Welcome to Discastia, a podcast for parents and teachers about the best way to support kids living with learning difficulties. My name's Michael Shanahan. And my name's Michael Shanahan. No, it's Phil Hansberry. (laughs) And we are um, number one, like always, we're we're podcasting to you from the lands of the Ghana people. And we, like always, want to acknowledge their deep connection to the land and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. And also acknowledge, unfortunately, that dispossession and colonisation are both ongoing processes. Thank you, Bill. Um, And today we are talking about maths. We're talking about maths in terms of learning difficulties, in particular dyscalculia, but also um, dysgraphia and dyslexia can have impact on ability to do maths. And we're talking with Liana McCurry. Can I introduce Liana? You can introduce Liana. Oh, my gosh. Well, we are sitting across from greatness. Don't laugh, Liana. You know how good you are. But you're very (laughs) humble about it. Liana, we're at Salisbury Primary School, uh, and Liana, uh, Liana, what do, what do you do here besides bring your greatness? I am the assistant principal of curriculum, basically. Yes. In a nutshell. And Liana and I go a, a while back, don't yeah. we, Liana? When yeah, we did do. we first bump into each other? Um. Oh gosh, I think through our good friend Sharni Jamison. That's right. Yes. That's Sh- the wonderful Sharni Jamison. The wonderful Sharni, and we did go to Bentley West. We did. That's uh, right. Back in 2019. That's right. And you've come along and done some TSD with us. I have done TSD one and two, and I'm planning on doing three next Excellent. year. Excellent. And Liana, um, Liana, you excel in the literacy space and the morphology space. And to use a dancing, singing, acting metaphor, you are the triple threat because you um, are quite quite the teacher in maths as well. And you're about to head off and do a church on a on a Churchill Fellowship trip in September. Tell us about it. Um, so I have been awarded a Churchill Fellowship that I will undertake in September. I'm very excited about it. So my project submission uh, was around best practices in maths. And my focus is on countries who have performed consistently well within the PISA assessment. So the countries I'll be visiting, I'm going to Singapore um, and Japan to start with. And then what people find most interesting is so where all the countries are ranked according to their results, the top six or seven countries are Asian countries or provinces of Asia. And the first non-Asian country on the list is Estonia. The dark horse. So Estonia Mm. is doing some wonderful things in education. So I'm visiting Estonia. I'm also going to Finland. Finland, interestingly, has is dropping at a rate um, equal to Australia. Yes. Um, However, they did do a big overhaul of their education system. So I'm still very interested in seeing what is going on there. Um, And then after that, heading over to Vancouver because. Canada is the first English-speaking, predominantly English-speaking country on the list uh, on the PISA assessment and they come in at number 12. Mm. Uh, And then I head to Hawaii to, well, to go visit Mr. Ron Yoshimoto. He won't actually be there but he has put me in touch with a number of schools to visit. So there is a Montessori primary school and another school doing some wonderful things. They've all been trained in OG literacy and they 
take that focus across to maths mm. as well. So, wow, yeah. how exciting. So, it's very exciting. For people who might not know, what is a Churchill Fellowship? Okay, so a Churchill Fellowship, most people haven't heard of a Churchill Fellowship. So, there are lots of different categories. It's not just education based. Anything that you have an interest in or you work an area that you work in. If you have a project idea, the idea is that you've exhausted your opportunities here in Australia and they will fund you to go overseas to research that project idea further. And then when you come back, you write a research paper that then gets published. Oh, brilliant. Oh, there you go. And another thing is PISA. What's PISA? PISA, <laughs> that's a wonderful question. So <laughs> it's a it's a standardised uh, test, basically. It happens for 15-year-olds across uh, OECD countries. So I think there are about 80, 81 countries involved. Um, and... So 15-year-olds from across a range of um, educational settings, so it doesn't matter, department levels. So in it happens every three years and in 2018 was the last one, there were a 1,000 South Australian students who sat the PISA assessment mm-hmm. and there is a focus. So they focus on obviously the reading, maths and science. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's quite a significant sample. It is. Just for South Australia. Yes. And I heard you mention in there that Australia's been going backwards in that. Is that correct? Yes. So PISA assessments start in 2000. So in 2003, we ranked 10th overall in the world. In is this just for maths or overall? Overall. 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 Yep. In 2018, we ranked 30th. <sighs> now, that is a significant difference, obviously, and the other thing is there are more countries involved, but still, you know, a slip of 20 countries is, mm. is a big, uh, big concern. Mm. Um, and do you think, sorry, Bill. Yes. Mm. Do you think it's because we've got worse or other countries have got better? Or is that what you're wanting to find out? A good question. That's what I'm hoping to find out. So <laughs> I'm hoping to find out what they're using what mm. their instructional practice looks like, what assessments look like, what professional development looks like. Um, I will make a bit of a big claim at the moment Go as on, well. Go on, do it, Leanna. <laughs> do it. We're into big claims here on Discastia. <laughs> um, I know in South Australia, and so I don't know Australia-wide, what other curriculums look like. I mean, we use the Australian curriculum now, but in 2001, SAXA was introduced. Mm. Mm-hmm. SAXA is a constructivist curriculum. It was very much about the knowledge that children bring. So it was perpetuating the Matthew effect. Yes. And I think that the ongoing, I guess the prolonged results of that Mm -hmm. have maybe come out of that because I feel that was a very big idea in education. We need to acknowledge the prior knowledge that they're bringing. We need to do a lot of collaboration, a lot of talking, whereas the teacher was the facilitator more than teacher-led classrooms. Mm -hmm. I'm just dying to say something. I've just listened to Ollie Lovell interview Ben Jensen. Mm, Great podcast. Yeah, about Australian curriculum for the second time. And I'm – and a lot of – and you've mentioned the same countries that Ben Jensen mentioned um, and the backwards slide of Finland moving away from a knowledge base to a skills based curriculum. Yes. Uh, is, is featured in that. Now, where was I headed with this? So, yes, cycles of disadvantage and educational disadvantage. So, skills based curriculum and the whole idea around constructivism and building on what students bring, students don't bring the same amount with That's them. That's right. Yep. So, absolutely. So, we're, we're starting to realize that we've got to do better. Yes. Yeah. We have to, education is the greatest gift that we can give to children and we have to level the playing field. So we have to 
you know, I mean, I follow a explicit direct instruction, an EDI approach where we mm. teach first. Yes. That is the first rule of EDI. Teach we teach first. first. Mm, you yeah. know, we don't stand in front of a class and say, who can tell me about this? Because mm. that's unfair to the children. It's unfair to the children who, you know, go to homes where they, they don't get to go mm. out to museums and or go on holidays or, you know, have have that level background knowledge. background knowledge yeah. at home. Yeah, so... Teach okay. first. You know, the, the, everyone's grizzling about the, the educational disadvantage gap opening in, opening in Australia. I think we might have a big part of the solution. Teach first, teach well. Mm. There's our big claim, Leanne. I'm backing my yes. big claim off your big claim. But. <laughs> okay, so with literacy, we've got this tiered system where it's tier one, two, three, mm. where, you know, tier one, general classroom instruction. Yeah. Everyone gets the same thing, a little bit of differentiation. Mm. Tier two, kids who are struggling, you might take them into small groups and do a bit more intensive work. Tier three is one-on-one or one-on-two. Really intensive. Intensive intervention. Highly skilled teacher. Yep, and usually kids who live with dyslexia, dyscalculia, but, you know, if we talk just about dyslexia, dysgraphia, I think the system is not great, but it's getting better and those kids are getting identified and getting the support they need. Well, that's right. Schools are just getting their head around response to intervention, aren't they? But I wonder where that's at with maths. And so one of my first thoughts was, is there a similar tier approach to maths and how are these kids identified and what kind of intervention do they get or should they be getting around maths? Yeah, so I would say... <laughs> I know, it's a big question. It's a big question. Yeah. It's a big question. I would say the idea of the tiers, yes. So you've got your tier one, your tier two would be what a classroom teacher can manage to do within the classroom. Um, I haven't seen a tiered um, solution to maths in the same way that it's run in literacy. I think so much of the focus in education over recent years has been literacy, which is absolutely where it needed to be. Mm, yeah. uh, but we do need to shift a focus into maths once people have literacy or they're on the right path, yeah. I guess, for where they're going for literacy uh, and to have a look at our tier one teaching of maths mm. and then what tier two and tier three could or should look like. So it's a bit behind, isn't it? It is. I think yeah. it's quite yeah. behind. I mean, so I, I totally get the triaging yeah. of literacy, yes. you know, because you need literacy to do maths. Absolutely. Basically. Yeah. So it's, literacy, it's a real starting point. Yeah, improvements in literacy yeah. is shown to improve maths results as well because maths is so vocab-based, mm. yep. you know, it's, it's all about language. Yeah. But sorry, Bill, what were you going to say? Um, I, I was going to go, well, why? Why don't we think about, well, why are we a bit slower to think about a three-tiered model of intervention for maths? What is there something in the culture? Do we expect some people just to get maths and some people not to get it? Like, I think mm. that there are a number of things. First of all, I don't know that there's a whole lot of readily available good quality professional development mm. for teachers to access. But I also think, and I know that we've spoken about this before, it's more acceptable to say, oh, well, I'm not a maths person. Yeah. Mm. I was at um, LGU training recently and I was in the dyslexia um Course and this is the South Australian the Literacy South Guarantee Australian Unit. Literacy Guarantee yeah. Unit. Gotcha. Sorry, <laughs> department. <laughs> I just talk in acronyms. Sorry. Um, and you know, she was saying if you go out to dinner, it's very common. You get the bill. You just hand it to the maths person. Yeah, yeah. 
But you can't turn around and say, oh, can you read this menu for me? Because I can't read. Yeah. So it's more acceptable to yeah. be not good at maths. Mm. You just go, oh, I'm not a maths person. And we form that opinion of ourselves very young. Yeah. You yep. can say to children, like, how do you feel about maths? They will tell you straight away, I hate maths. Yeah. Don't like it. Yeah. So we form that opinion so early and then it's ingrained. Mm. And but it's more culturally acceptable. Yeah. So um, and I think that you're either someone as a teacher, again, either you enjoy teaching maths or you don't. Mm. And if you don't enjoy teaching maths or you don't feel confident, then you're going to teach literacy mm. more. Yeah. And if something has to, you don't have time to fit everything in your day. Maths will go over literacy. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I, it's really neglected, isn't it? And, I think so. And it's a bit sad because. Um, Maths is part of everyday life. Absolutely. And the psychological impact on kids is just as great. Yeah. Perhaps even more so in mm. some circumstances because kids who really struggle, really struggle. Yeah. Really. And, you know, maths is such a mystery to them. Oh, yes. I, yeah. And I yeah. see them, you know, I, I definitely think the kids that I see for maths intervention are on the whole older mm-hmm. yeah. than kids for literacy intervention Same. because I think it takes longer yes. until it, it yes. becomes, you know, obvious that they mm-hmm. need some support, which kind of makes it harder because yeah. mm. now their sort of self-concept around maths is, yes. <laughs> is very difficult yeah. to turn around and, yeah. and they develop a lot of maths anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah, I did. I cried every yes. year five lesson. Yeah. Mm. And I that, was a bit of a sook, but I did. I was, and you've also got, because by the time you hit upper primary, if your number concepts aren't solid, you're going to be very lost. That was my issue. Because yeah. everything, you know, hinders on you having that knowledge for you to move on. You yeah. know, yes. if you don't have knowledge of multiplication and you know, basic four operations, then mm. you can't do fractions and decimals and percentages. Yeah. And you're just looking at these abstract concepts that actually make no sense to you whatsoever. And then by the time we get to year five, a lot more of the curriculum is based around the measurement and geometry aspect and there's a lot of spatial awareness. Yeah. And so if you are someone who struggles with that visualisation, then you're going to struggle with a lot of the curriculum as well. So, you know, not only are you struggling with the number aspect, but then you're also struggling with the measurement and geometry aspect. Mm. Okay. So you're yeah, there's a lot to maths, isn't there's there? There's a lot there to maths. You know, there's time, there's money, there's percentages, yes. there's probability. Like that's what I was saying before. There's a huge amount of stuff Algebra. in the curriculum yeah. for kids to get their head around. <laughs> yes. And so let's think about that for a sec. You know, I'm working in a school as a teacher and perhaps maths isn't my strength. There is a lot of support and structure around literacy. There are lots of programs available. You know, yes, you have to choose the right program, but yes. it sounds to me like there isn't that network of support mm. around maths. Yes. And so if you're a teacher in a school, you're not feeling confident yourself with maths, you've got kids in your class who are struggling, what do you do? Yeah. Like, <laughs> great question. How do you support those kids? Yes. If there isn't that infrastructure in place. So I would say Thinking Forward Educators has a maths network with some great webinars, um, podcasts to get you started. I would absolutely go there. But I think all teachers should be trained in explicit direct instruction. Yep. It is absolutely the way that we need to go because it works. It's a lesson structure. So it's 
that's number one is your lesson structure needs to be organized. Yep. Um, and then I'm very, very fortunate. I'm within a school that has complete consistency whole school wide. <laughs> oh, wow. let's just actually plug where we are. <laughs> yeah. This is Salisbury Primary School in South Australia, people. Mm. Uh, Centre of excellence in all things teaching and learning. And it's no coincidence that people like Liana end up here. Mm. So, And we run study tours here. This is how good this place is. But anyway, I just had to get that plug in. Mm. <laughs> I, felt, I felt obliged. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so you're in a well-functioning school. I'm in a very, very highly functioning and well so functioned. what sort of support networks do you have around this? Yeah, so as the assistant principal, one of the reasons that I was brought in was for my maths knowledge. Mm. And so I have developed over the last few years whole school so scope and sequences so that breaks down what to teach when so that it's progressive and developmental. Um, and also I because th I think it's really important, I know when I was in the classroom and I had year ones, and uh, I was doing a, a master's degree in maths. And so what that forced me to do was read a lot of the research, which was great. And it tied in when I went to Bentley West, yep. which was wonderful. And I spoke to Stephen Cap, the principal there, and he put me on the path of cognitive load and yep. John Sweller's book. Yep. And, you know, when I read that, because when you do a lot of the research around maths, I'll tell you that a, a lesson should have three parts. One is your opening, your main part of your lesson, your teaching, and then a closing. And for me, I was like, that's great, but that's not enough. That's loose. That's yeah. very loose. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what does that mean? What does it yeah. look like? What What do I do? And then Opening so the book, <laughs> reading the book, closing exactly. the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, children, book is open. <laughs> so I was like, well, I, you know, I need more than that. Mm. And then, you know, going to Bentley West, so I had to read the EDI book as well. And when I read that, I was like, oh, well, this is it. This is yep. exactly what I want. And so- from there, I started, I was in a very, very supportive team. Um, shout out to my team back then because we did so much together. And so I could plan maths and they would all implement it and we all took different areas. So mm. I could focus solely yeah. on doing that. And that's something this school does really well is that team planning. Yes. So it means that you can focus on something that you're interested in and plan it well because we know, especially as primary school teachers, you can't cover everything. Mm. So you need to focus, you know, where's your attention going to Yeah, go? where's the best bang for buck? Exactly. And team planning is so important. Collective teacher efficacy, effect size, huge. <laughs> yes. It's up there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I was – and John Hattie's work, you know, the 10 most effective high-impact teaching strategies, EDI. Mm. Yeah. Like they're all – all 10 strategies are within an EDI lesson. Yeah. And, and EDI – is um, I'm doing a, another deep dive into Rosenshine's Principles mm. of Instruction and you just see it right through any good direct instruction model. Yes. You, you see that stuff and, oh, my gosh, it's just such <laughs> common sense. Mm. So, all right, yes. the components of a math lesson. Mm. So, if beginning, middle and end isn't enough, <laughs> no. what are we talking about yeah. here? Absolutely. So, in EDI, you've got seven lesson components. It's very, very specific. So, you start with activating prior knowledge. So I always say to people, you know, you may have taught a lesson on fractions. It went really well. Kids were engaged. Fabulous. You come back the next day and you're like, who can tell me about what we did yesterday? Maybe in their day your fractions lesson wasn't the most exciting thing that happened. <laughs> I know it's very painful for us to think about as teachers, but, you know, maybe the kids had soccer practice. Maybe they yeah. had an argument with a sibling, you know. Um, you don't know what's happened in their lives and they come back the next day and how many times do you get, well, I don't know, 
Yep. You know, so that that's why we come back to teach first. Hey, Liana, so. I, I can't. Just, just give us the morphology of the word fraction, will you? Oh, fraction. Fract means to break. Yeah. So. <laughs> I-O-N is an actual yes. state of result of. So. Sorry, couldn't, couldn't, ha- couldn't help it. <laughs> fraction is the result Bro- of breaking. Broken yeah. numbers. Mm. Okay. Fracture is always my oh, idea. Stop it. Why? Okay. Yeah. Liana yeah. and I equal do this. Equal fractures, though. Is this weird equal fracture? Absolutely. It's an equal fracture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Equal yes. Fracture. Yes. yes. Yeah. So- <laughs> You know, so that's the thing. So they come back and you are not, you know, you weren't the most exciting part of their day. Um, So we have to review and based on Ebbinghaus's forgetting curve um, that we know really well and we know um, cognitive load, we know that learning is not retained unless it's reviewed over and over and over again. And when you think that, you know, they've had enough, keep going. Yes. That is probably the biggest thing I can tell people is review. We want overlearning. We yes. do. Because we want to develop the automaticity. Absolutely. So oh. when they're faced with a problem, yes. they're not having to use all that brain yes. power to work out what this question means. Yes. <laughs> because, because the language is difficult. Yes. It's using, you know, and those examiners always throw in that. <laughs> The curly wobbly, language, the curly you know, one. The, yeah. the, the obscure term to talk yeah. about yes. something. Yeah. And so you've got to get that automatic. So Chunked that, and automated, yeah, Mr. Yes. So Shanahan. Got enough free brain power. <laughs> yes. And that's what that repetition and automation does. Absolutely. And, you know, it comes back to cognitive load and working memory. So for our children who have poor working memory, they need more repetitions yes. than a child who has a better working memory. So we go over and over. And I always say to people, you know, your review could take three to five minutes of your lesson. It could take 20 minutes. Always be guided by what your children need. Yeah. Mm. So when I taught year ones, we counted to and from 120 each day. So I needed them to understand because a lot of the times in year one, you get kids who can rote count to 100. Yeah. But they actually don't understand pattern happening in, happening in numbers. They don't understand the quantities of those numbers. Mm. And they go to 100. And when you ask them to write 101, they'll write 1,001. Yep. Yeah. Because they don't understand place value. Yes. So that is rote learning. Yeah. Yep. What we want is conceptual understanding. Mm. Yeah. And that's the difference. There's a big difference when we say surface learning. People think that surface learning is rote learning. It's not actually. It's good conceptual understanding. Mm. And yes. you cannot move to deep learning or transfer of learning unless you have really solid surface learning. That's mm. right. And it's the surface learning that chunks and automates those lower-level tasks, puts them in long-term memory, so when they come back into working memory, they don't take up as much space. Exactly. They don't need the conscious effort to be thought of and held. Exactly. And and so do you think maybe sometimes that's lost and we just do the surface learning repetition? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I see kids who know their times tables. Yes. They have no idea what it actually means. Yes. They have no idea what what they're doing. It's just a random bunch of yes. facts that they can rattle off because they've wrote learnt it. And then as soon as you give them, say, a multiplication problem that perhaps doesn't use numbers mm-hmm. or, you know, yep. throws, a non-standard, you know, a yeah. non-standard thing mm-hmm. where they have to think about it and use mm-hmm. that kind of multiplicative thinking. Plick means to fold. You know, they fall apart. Is that what you're talking about? Is it it not so much repetition of facts, although that's part of it, but it's repetition of concept? Concept. It's constantly getting them to think in a conceptual way. That's what you're repeating. Absolutely. Not the fact, not the end result. No, No. and and the other thing is your review is once a 
topic or um, concept has been taught. Mm-hmm. So it's not yet like, okay, here's your multiplication facts. We're just going to rattle them off. It is I have explicitly taught you what multiplication is. Here is how it works. Here's how we visualize it. Um, now that you have a conceptual understanding, now we can review. Mm-hmm. And because when we're talking about multiplication facts as well, you know, you're talking about the the equation you probably see in your mind, you know, yeah. 4 times 3 equals 12. Um, but that's the abstract concept. Yes. So when we're teaching a concept, so again, I'm very fortunate to be in a school that has a whole school approach. I sourced and ordered manipulatives mm. for the whole school. Yep. So every class has sets of manipulatives and there's enough for a set for between one, uh, sorry, for each two children. Mm. Yep. So each pair of children have a set of manipulatives that they use. When we introduce a concept, we use the manipulatives. Mm. So we follow the CRA approach, which is the multisensory approach, which is we use the concept, uh, the concrete materials to introduce the concept, get that conceptual understanding. Once that is done, we move to a visual representation. And if mm. people don't know the bar model, um, mm-hmm. yep. of Singapore maths. bar, yep. Singapore bar, best yep. thing that we can do because that applies to so many things. Mm. But the visual representation is of your manipulatives. Yep. And then finally, we move to the abstract concept because often in maths we move to the abstract concept far too quickly and skip the middle and mm. skip the middle and um, the visual absolutely skip the visual representation, but without that conceptual understanding. Mm. Yep. So, and that's what you're saying. We can go through the motions and we can do the abstract concept. And that was me as a child. Yes. I was very good at maths. Yep. Um, and particularly, you know, I always think, because I didn't learn this until I was an adult because I'd never had to think about it, but subtraction. I could do all of the abstract concept, was very good at it, you know, enjoyed maths a lot. It was my favourite yep. subject. But I didn't understand that when I was crossing a number out and writing a number and moving a number over that I was actually taking 10 Mm. you know, 10 units from the next column and moving it over. So mm. I, I couldn't explain it to you. Not yes. at all. And so, and you would have found this when we did the Ron Yoshimoto maths last year. Which you held my hand all the way through, Leanna. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> my pleasure. But, you know, as adults, we can do that abstract concept. But when you have to use the manipulatives, I ran a, a multisensory uh, math session the other day with, um, with a school. To go back and explain what you're doing is really difficult mm. because you can think to yourself, oh, I know I crossed that number out, I write this number here. But, but to actually break it down, when you're using the manipulatives and to go, oh, well, actually I'm taking 10 from here and moving it over here, to have to explain that. And, you know, I said to them, so like, how does a child feel? Mm. You know, you, sometimes you have to put yourself, and Bill, you did a great job of, of – doing this in the training, putting yourself in the mind of a student and going, oh, well, how do I explain this step by step? I didn't have to work hard. <laughs> <laughs> because it's hard. Well, yeah, it's struggling. It's- <laughs> it is. <hard. laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It's really hard. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of teachers struggle as well because if, if you're only looking at your year level and your year level's curriculum, you're not sure like what they've come from or what they're going to. Mm. You're also not looking at, um, you know, the you've – let me try that again. So if you're only looking at your year level and not the year level they've come from, the year level that they're going to, you're only focused on that one year level, then you're not 
um, really understanding what they should have. Yeah. Mm. And you're just expecting that they have that knowledge. Yeah. So they're coming to you and you go, okay, this is just assumed that they've got this so I can move yeah. on. They've done place value. They've done this. Exactly. They've done that. So I can just, I just teach this next bit. Exactly. Yeah. Now, what do you do if they don't? Yeah. Mm. And that becomes the question. I think the higher up you go, because the teachers go, well, uh, you know, I need to do fractions to decimals to percentages, yeah. but they don't have the base level mm. number knowledge. Mm. Mm. But I'm an upper, upper primary teacher, high school teacher. I, I don't know how to teach that. Because yes. that's junior primary concept. And I have the curse oh, okay. of the expert. Yeah. 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 You know, so what do you do if a child doesn't understand? Mm -hmm. Do teachers have enough knowledge to be able to break down the concept and build it back up? Mm. So I think that, and see, that's where I think your professional development mm. probably needs yeah. to, to come in to make teachers comfortable with how to break concepts down yeah. yeah and so that's you know and we're back now to you know this intervention yes the you know tier one uh, yes. tier two or tier three yes kids in your class who haven't you know schools move too fast for them yes yeah and they're like you say doing you know reasonably complex algorithms mm -hmm. you know carrying and yes. so on that requires place value knowledge and they can do it Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They can parrot it yeah. and, and do the procedure, but they can make simple mistakes as well and not spot that they've yeah. made a mistake yes. because they just, you know, started from the left instead mm. of starting, you know, they started from the hundreds instead of starting from the units yes. and they still follow the algorithm. They come up with a totally wrong answer, mm -hmm. but they have no idea that it's wrong or why because, you know, I followed the algorithm. Absolutely. Um, and so... I'm just waving the kids outside. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help it. Keep going, Michael. And so in that intervention, you're saying it's really about going back to those concrete concepts. Now, as a, as a method, is that what you're uh, saying? So what I'm saying, so within your tier one, yep. Yep. use manipulatives where possible. Yeah. Right. So, to so everyone's got that everyone. common language. Whether, yeah. So I always say, you know, um, I had year four fives last year, for example. We all use the manipulatives every time. We need to move away from the idea that manipulatives are only for children who struggle. For little kids. Yeah. yeah. And by manipulatives, what are you? What kinds of things are the you using? That's a great question. <laughs> so uh, we use wooden blocks. Now, most people will think of Cuisinair rods. Mm. Yeah. Um, similar to Cuisinair, the difference is they have the markings in them. So yep. Cuisinair rods have no markings on them. Yeah. So, you know, a number five is just a number five. and you It's just, just a rod. It's just a rod. That, that's Whereas, equal to the length of five that's small right. rods. <laughs> and, and it makes sense when you've got all of your rods yeah. lined up. Yeah. So these ones have the lines in there. Yeah. So should the children need to, they can actually count. Yeah. So they're base 10 they're base counters. So there's ones, there's twos, there's threes, there's four there are. as rods with yes. little markers on them. Yes, there are. We've said the word yeah. rod a lot. We <laughs> have <laughs> And that And any, anything else other than those? So those are what we use like across our tier one and mm -hmm. you can do most concepts with that. Yep. There are also the other thing I would look at is uh, the double-sided counters yeah. mm -hmm. are really good. Yep. The two colours. The two yeah. colours, yeah. Yep. Um, I was watching a video. I can't remember the name. Graham something. Patterson maybe. We'll put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. show notes. Yeah. Um, and he has some videos and he was explaining multiplication of fractions using the two coloured um, counters. 
And it was just such a great visual to explain. Mm. And I think often, particularly with fractions, we only connect it to shapes. Yeah. And so when you're then talking about fractions of numbers, mm. which is where we use fractions more. Yes. Um, apart from like soccer fields and netball, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, sports related yeah. things. But I'm sick of pizzas. Pizzas, pizzas and sandwiches. Yeah. Um, you know, we need to understand fractions of numbers. Yes. yes. And so that concept he did really well uh, in this video showing mm. the the two-sided counters. Yeah, so. yeah right. So but it's about having it's about real world mathematics. Yes. Right. It's like is that that's what the manipulatives are. It gets it out of that abstract number realm. Yes. And into actually physically making an addition. Absolutely. And it lessons light on working what, memory cuz there it what is. is yes. What does 3 plus 2 actually exactly. mean? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, what are we talking about? What yeah. What is, you know, the conceptual understanding? So, yeah. and, you know, and we find as well, children understand addition, for example, mm. a lot more easily than subtraction Subtraction's and they get multiplication hard. a lot more easily than division. Yeah. Yeah. So, with the idea of uh, using the bar model uh, as a, a visual for the manipulatives, if you have a five bar and then you have a two bar and a three bar underneath it, you can see that two plus three will give me five, yeah. but three plus two will give me five if I swap them around. Yes. But also five take away that three, I'm left with two. Five take away two get, leaves me three. So what we're doing is trying to make those connections really early mm. so that we can see that we're actually talking about the same thing. It's mm. just you know two, two sides of the same coin. Mm. So we want to make those connections. But you know, if we were doing that with receptions, and so they get the idea of, one more and one less because we could line the bars up. Yep. So they got that really quickly because they can count up and they can count down. And it's just so visual mm. and so easy for them to to get that idea. Yeah. One more, one less, the language. We yes. can't avoid this. Mm. So vocabulary is so important in maths. Yeah. And I know that we have had this discussion lately because we've been picking out words that you can use for morphology yes. in maths. Mm. Uh, one of my favourite things. So, you know, I think like with literacy – is it magic E? Is it silent E? Is it, you know, yes. what are all the different split jobs bow. of E? Yes, yeah. slip out. <laughs> you know, that same thing, you know, having a consistent vocabulary across the school. Well, what are we calling mm. this? What is it going to be? So, um, a, a consistent vocabulary, and I imagine a flexible vocabulary. Yes. Because, you know, you think of addition, mm -hmm. there are probably. 50 ways yes. <laughs> to say add. Yes. Aren't they? You know, add Absolutely. sum plus total increase combine. Yes. They all add, aren't they? Yes. And that can be extremely confusing. Yes. But for so a kid. put all of that language in your scope and sequence mm. and teach mm. it in a strategic way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, as a practical example, I was working with a year three kid just this week and I said, today we're working on addition. And she said, I've never heard of that. Wow. I don't what is addition? Yeah. And she said, Oh, hold on a sec. Now I know what it is. It's it's this, isn't it? And she drew a division sign. Because mm. uh, addition kind of sounds like division. division. Yes. And then I said, Oh, it's when you add this to this. And she said, Oh, adding. Yeah, I know adding. Yes. But she said so she knew what adding mm. was, but she didn't know what addition was. Did you take mm. her straight to the word cracker? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, missed opportunity. <laughs> And so that, yes. that's the kind of language confusion yes. that's difficult for kids, yeah. isn't it? Definitely. And, and why that whole school mm. consistency helps mm. because if one teacher is calling it this 
Yes. And another teacher calling it that. Yes. From one year to the next. Yes. That could be quite confusing for and a kid. So that's why we've steered far away from our EDI structure. But <laughs> when you do your lesson objective, whatever language and vocabulary is in there, you explain in your concept development. Yeah. So if there is words like fraction, even though, see, we assume that children understand what they mean, mm. you know, but um, I give the example of, you know, we're learning to calculate the perimeter of regular shapes. Well, what is a regular shape? Mm. What am I actually talking about? Yeah. You know the word regular. Yep. You're very comfortable with that word, but what am I actually talking about? You know, perimeter perimeter is a great one. Peri means around, Peri meter means, means to measure, perimeter <laughs> yeah. means to measure around. Oh, oh I love morphology. <laughs> Such a nerd. So <laughs> But it provides a real hook for kids, doesn't exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. Mm. And so every time I ask my children, well, what does what does peri mean? They could tell me peri means around, meter means to measure, you yeah. know. So the words that we use are very important and we need to not assume that they understand things because they may not understand it within the context that we're talking about. Yes, yeah. So we want to break down those words and that's why in an EDI lesson you do your lesson objective followed by your concept development. So that's where you're talking about specific vocabulary. Yeah. And so that's when you can talk about, okay, well, here is addition, here are some other words we may use. But you also want to be very specific about what is the focus of your lesson. Like I'm not going to give them 10 questions with 10 different ways to say add together, yeah. <laughs> find the sum of this, you know. Yeah. You could introduce it gradually with your language because otherwise it we're just a total Too overload. Overwhelmed. But yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's interesting. And so we've been talking about a typical lesson structure. Yes. So we had <laughs> We did. I think we started yeah, there. That's where we, we started. Yeah. And then we went into so we had the opening of the lesson. Yes. And then we had the revision. Yes. And then we were just then talking about explicit, you know, here's the teaching point. Yes. First. For yes. this. Yes. What's next in the lesson? Yeah. So exactly right. So you'd activate your prior knowledge, then you do your lesson objective, lesson intention, whatever learning intention, whatever language you use. And you will tell the students the learning intention? And you will tell the students and I do it in a way where I will read it to them and we do, you know, the um, tracking together, they will read it, I will get them to read it back to me, tell a partner. You know, I always say to people, what you're doing in the lesson, it's not a secret. You know, yep. it's not for you to keep in your head. So it's not a surprise <laughs> a great for the mystery students. Reveal. That's right. Exactly. You know, when they go, well, what are we doing today? You yeah. know, we need to tell them. Yeah. Then you would do your concept development, which is breaking down any vocabulary or anything they will need for your lesson to understand. Then you go into the main part of your lesson, which is your I do, we do. I think most people listening to this podcast mm. would be familiar with the I do, we do, you mm. do concept. Yeah, perhaps yeah. not parents. Perhaps not. No, yeah. absolutely. So I that think was it's Anita real, Archer that first coined it. Yes. 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 It's teaching terminology. Yes, it yes. is teaching terminology. So it's terminology. probably worth just talking about what that means. Yes. It's, it's direct instruction terminology, yeah. isn't it? Yes, it yeah. is. So and Anita Archer, a wonderful lady. Oh, and I'm just going to, when you're talking about revision, when she <laughs> said that as far as we know, no child's died from <laughs> repetition yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, thought, yes. I think that's what she said. I yeah. just giggled. Absolutely. I love Anita. So the idea is that you model first. So the I do is I as the teacher, I will model a question that I want the, the skill that I want the children to know. I will talk out loud about my thinking, what points I need to remember. Mm. But I will also get the children to discuss like what steps did I take to get there. Mm -hmm. So we follow, or I'll come back to tapple yeah. at yeah. the end because tapple is a very important part of EDI. 
And then I will get the students to do a similar question and I'm still there guiding them. Mm. And then it will come back to me and I will do another question. Depending on on my group, I might have something slightly different. So if I was doing perimeter, for example, I could change the unit of measurement. So we're talking worked examples. We're talking worked examples. That's exactly what we're doing. And then I will get them again to do another example, but I'm still guiding them. The EDI, they have a rule of two where they'll say they will do that twice. Mm. I prefer a rule of three. I just find that I feel more comfortable in knowing where mm. the children are at if I do three. And a wonderful um, wonderful tip that I can give people is if you work from PowerPoints, I like to work for PowerPoints. It plans my thinking. Mm. It's also hitting your, you know, your visual, your auditory. Ah, uh, yeah, multi-sensory. Your multi-sensory mm. aspects as much as you can. Mm. and what uh, you can do is just put some extra problems in there that you may not need, but if your children aren't getting it, we say keep calm and reteach. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. that's it. That's uh, you know I took from from Bill. <laughs> I used that a lot last year. I had to <laughs> keep calm, and so as a backup, if the children aren't getting it, have some extra there because otherwise, yeah. then you're thinking off the top of your head, and that's mm. when we tend to yes. you know get lost a little bit. Yeah. So have some there that you may not need, but that's okay because if you do need them. They're there and you can keep practicing. So, and as I always say to people as well, you know, don't feel that you need to rush through. Mm. You know, you get to where you get to. If they need more practice and more examples, then that's Mm. what you do. That's diagnostic teaching. You split your lesson in two and you think, okay, well. And yes. I'm going to have to do this over two lessons yes, or three exactly. because actually this is a lot harder than and I thought it would be. And this is what I always say as well. Like we we move to the abstract far too quickly without that conceptual understanding. And mm. some people, um, I think, it was, you know, quite big in education, the kids have to record their thinking, record their thinking. Actually, we don't. No. You know, you will have lessons in junior primary where all they do is use the manipulatives. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are we taking manipulative? Well, were we taking manipulatives um, and the concrete level away mm. from kids too early? I I believe so, mm. definitely. Me and too. I think I think again, there's that misconception of you know, um, well, we need to move them on. We need to move them on. Mm. We need to make sure the conceptual understanding is there. Otherwise, you, you're not moving anything What's on. What's the point? That's mm. right. There is mm. no point. I wonder where that comes from because. My view of it is, why would you ever take it away? Mm. Well, yeah. Because, like, if I have a conceptual understanding, Mm. I have the manipulatives available to me. If I don't need them, I won't use them. Mm. But if I'm really struggling, because we're, you know, thinking now about kids who may have working memory difficulty Mm. or may be living with dyscalculia, which we haven't spoken Mm -hmm. about yet, Mm. um, they may always need that scaffolding. Yeah. Yes. They may always need to be able to either draw a picture yeah. or have some counters or something next to them so that they can free up that working memory and they can quickly go, I don't get this, and no. they can quickly model it themselves mm-hmm. yeah. with the manipulatives and go, oh, yeah, now I get it. And that's why it's important that we don't view manipulatives as just a tool for kids who struggle. Yeah. Mm. You know, manipulatives is for all the children. Yes. And it's to introduce the concept so it's yeah, I think that there is a bit of a view, particularly when you go up in high year levels, yeah, that we only get you know the counters or whatever yeah. out for the kids who are struggling. And it's not just to teach it. Sometimes you lose the picture when you're doing yes. something. Michael, when you got out those that that pair of plastic scales and those beams, and you mm. showed me how to teach a kid to solve for X, 
yeah. right? Which is kind of solving for X's mm-hmm. year seven, year eight maths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, year seven. Year seven. Um, it, oh, wow. I'd never thought about it that way. It was so mm-hmm. important for me. So I immediately went and bought a pair of plastic <laughs> scales. But, yes. And making it concrete. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. Because then, because that's getting highly conceptual, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Then where we're talking about X. Yeah. Representing a number and, mm-hmm. you know, that's very much about, you know, that. That algebra stuff is almost always just done purely at that conceptual level. Yes, yeah. that's right. just presented with numbers and letters. And, and why do I have symbols? to do the same on both sides? Yeah, you know? what are, yeah. What is what? Why? Yeah, and yeah. making it more than just following the algorithm. Mm. Yeah, because then as soon as you're presented with something different mm. or something you haven't seen before, then you're lost. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. now I've, I don't know where to start. Yes. Yeah. And when we did the Ron Yoshimoto training, you know, we had um, little cards for addition and subtraction and equals and we used the blocks in in place of the numbers and he had just like a cup basically that you could cover one of the blocks with. Mm. And, you know, that's very simple algebra, which Mm, if done in the right way can be done with with you know junior primary children because it's like, okay, well, what am I trying to work out? Well, I was under the cup here. Yep. How am I going to use what I've got to work, to work that out? out. Yeah. yeah, and and I think what you were talking about before of teachers, you know, being in their year level mm. and not necessarily thinking about what's gone before yeah. and what is to come. You know, I, I've got an advantage because I'm not in a year level. Mm-hmm. You know, I can just meet a kid and work with them where they're at. Yes. But I'm always thinking about, you know, like you just said, when I'm introducing addition, I actually add in some pre-algebra thinking, mm-hmm. like you know, we don't do it conceptually, but I give them little problems to solve. You yeah. know, Bill was talking about a, a weights thing and, yeah. you know, I just recently did a session with someone on equals. We are talking about what does equals mean? And interestingly, you know, from that level that you were talking about, about that concrete understanding of what equals is, when I first asked her what equals was, she genuinely thought that those little symbols mm. were just a de- – a like a literacy device to separate the answer from the problem oh. because That's she said otherwise it would just be a big string just, of numbers yes. and I wouldn't know what you're asking me to yes. do. Yeah. So she thought that the plus symbol and the minus symbol and stuff were kind of like a hyphen or a dash. <gasps> wow. You know, and the equals is just there to keep the answer apart. That's yes. what I thought. Because otherwise it, it, yeah. she explained it to me, you know, we were doing like, eight plus two or something like that and the answer is 10 and she said well if i didn't have the equals there it it would be 210 mm. wow. and so she yeah. thought this just helps it separate yeah so if that's what you think equals yes. is what a and then you come to algebra yes well that's a big <laughs> mess in your head yes. of like it, it is you know not understanding that equals means both mm. these sides have and, to be the same and as well like when is equals actually explained Mm. No, and th- that was yes, and it wasn't to me, and, <laughs> and it's a big concept. And it you is. just articulated. Now I eventually mm. worked out, but quite late in my development, that equals just means same as. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So when I was, but same as what? Well, it's yeah. more complicated than you think. It sorry, it is. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Sorry. Well, so you know, when I was getting maths tutoring in high school, and the maths tutor is doing his best to use the scales analogy. I realised what was holding me back because I didn't have a truly conceptual understanding of what equals mm. is about. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's one of those assumed yes. things, isn't That's it? That's right. We yep. just assume that 
kids understand what equals means. Yes. But mm. it's about that vocab and being really explicit. Yeah. And it's teaching. quite complicated. And the other thing as well is when we look at an addition equation, they are so used to seeing two plus three equals five. And with my class last year, I flipped it around and went, well, is this the same if I do five equals two plus three? And they were like, no. Mm. So, again, it comes back to that. And so then we did work around, well, actually, it means that, you know, both sides will work out to be the same. Mm. You know, is that five? Is that five? Yeah. So, you know, what does that mean and how do we – Flip yeah. it around. So sometimes they're so used to seeing it in only one yeah. way yeah. that they don't realise that there are other ways to represent. Yeah, that yes. flexibility of thinking. Yes. One of the best things I saw was when we were at Bentley West years ago, I saw Dave Morcunis and Michael McKinnon and they had a PowerPoint called Tables Turnarounds mm. and it was the, and the, the transitions had worked in the PowerPoint so it would go three, three multiplied or three times five is – 15, and then the 15 would physically move. 15 divided by 3 is 5. 15 mm. divided by 5 is yes. 3. Mm. Yeah. And the kids would see that moving, and that was so powerful, yeah. I thought. It's yeah. just a simple thing on a PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. And shout out to, to the Bentley West mm-hmm. folks. And, Mork, I know you're over at um, – oh, where is he? At Brandon, Brandon Park. Park now. Brandon Park. Yeah, mm. but uh, we love you, Mork, and we and love you, Bentley West. And it's such a great – um, scaffolding for division, mm. which is mm. difficult. That's you know, right. To that's know right. that it's the inverse of multiplication. And this is yes. where, that's right, this is where the manipulatives are so mm. handy because I'm working with a student here at the moment and, you know, explaining that division works out exactly the same. I'm just looking at it in a different way. Yep. So we went through, you know, three times tables and I think we did like three times four and then showed her how four times three is the same as well, mm. um, you know, and that was see that's something that we sort of I think take for granted as adults, and again, it's that assumed knowledge. Or, yes. you know, well, it's the same answer, so they should see that you know it's the same amount. But when you actually take manipulatives and put them on top, mm. and you go, oh well, that's exactly the same. It's yes. just counting in a different number. Um, you know, it's really powerful. And then taking that twelve and saying, well, you know, mm. if I take twelve. And I'm making groups of four, like how many groups do I have? But if I'm making groups of three, how many do I have? Mm. Um, you know, and for her, you can see when kids make that connection in their heads, yeah. you see it instantly, yeah. don't you? You know, and she was like, is that all it is? And I was like, that's, that's all <laughs> that's it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a great you know, thing. Yeah. Really? Is that really? all it is? <laughs> yeah. I remember teaching a child to read the, the clock once mm. and, you know, and – he looked at it and I was like, this is this and this is this. And he's like, so you're telling me like if I do this, this is the time. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, is that all? <laughs> is that all? Is that, that all? You know what that is. That is excellent teaching. And every and every bloomin' teacher, primary teacher, when you just said teaching kids the clock went, oh. <laughs> heads went down everywhere because they always forget from year mm. level to year level. Mm. Tricky, I will say it? as well, I mean, obviously, one-on-one teaching makes things much, yeah. much easier. It does. Um, you know, as opposed to being in a, in a classroom. So, but that's why, you know, and that's why I developed the scope and sequences for the whole school yeah. was, mm. you know, because when I taught year one, I did think to myself, okay, well, what did they come from? What did they do? Yeah. And where are they going? So yeah. I developed a scope and sequence like for year one and then did reception in year two. And then just kind of kept going. So that sounds like absolute gold to me <laughs> because the biggest problem I had when I started tutoring, you know, because my daughter was diagnosed with dyscalculia and I couldn't mm. find a tutor anywhere. Yes. 
And look, I've never really been very good at maths, but I was okay at maths. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have maths anxiety mm. kind of thing. I thought, yeah, I could do this. Um, so I started tutoring her and kind of at that point realised how complicated it all was. And I looked at the curriculum and it wasn't very helpful. No. It's fairly loose. <laughs> Regarding, it is. It tells me what I have to mm. teach, but there's no, no clues as to how no. or what sequence to do it in. Yes. And I, I reckon I went on a, I think it probably took me more than a year mm. to find a sequence. Mm-hmm. Now, I compare that to literacy and I think, you know, I look at the Playberry program or any number of literacy programs out there and they are structured, sequenced. Mm. Fine grind. Fine grind. You teach this, you teach this, you teach this, and yeah. you look at the logic of it and it's brilliant yeah. and everything builds on the previous step. Mm. And I could not, I think even to this day, find anything like mm-hmm. that for maths that says, okay, in an intervention situation, you've got a kid living with dyscalculia, so we're not talking about um, the typical maths difficulties. Mm. This is someone like someone living with dyslexia. This is someone who, you know, has that kind of… Um, fundamental issues, understanding fu- fundamental, magnitude. And, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so they need a sequence. You yeah. know, you need yeah. to have this tiny, fine-grained step-by-step mm. That takes them from where do you start? And like it, with what I do now, I start with what's a number? Mm-hmm. Like, what is a number? Yes. Yes. You mm. know, and that's actually mm. quite mm. a big concept, mm. Mm. Yeah. you know, because it's actually yep. a constructed thing. You know, getting yep. a kid to think about what is a number yep. is yep. quite big. But, but if you've never done that no. and you struggle with what mm-hmm. numbers are, mm-hmm. you need to be explicitly taught. What a number is. And how is a number different to a digit? Or a exactly. numeral. Or yes, a numeral. or a numeral. That's right. So, and this is where you and know, what maths is do. vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I'm just going to pull on the first thread here is, okay, why aren't we making mathematics curriculum as explicit mm. as a really good structured literacy curriculum? Yeah, or um, at least have an intervention that's that explicit. Yeah, and I've got, again – Ben Jensen on the mm. R podcast saying, you know what lifts teacher efficiency uh, better than good teacher training? Giving them a really good curriculum resource. and a good resource. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, you know, yeah. not to say that resources will replace teacher training yeah. ever, yeah. Mm. but, yeah, it makes sense when you were just saying about mm. if, if you give me a really clear roadmap mm. that yes. breaks the teaching and the sequence up really Yep. Carefully and cleverly, you're going to make me a good teacher mm, yeah. from the get-go That's automatically. Right. And if I'm and if I'm not confident with maths, as we're saying, many people are not. That's right. Then you only have to be one or two steps ahead of the kid. Yeah, that's true. And you can trust the sequence. And yes. You can trust the program mm. because somebody really clever has thought it through <laughs> and right. said, "Hey, follow this sequence." Yeah. And expert and the kids has are put it together. Get mm. The knowledge that they yes. need. Yes. You know, and it's diagnostic teaching. Mm. It's built in revision and review, just like literacy. But yeah. mm-hmm. I'm yet to find mm. a maths equivalent to that. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it in play very soon. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Yes. Um, <laughs> as Oka Education is a really good website to okay. start with. Yep. Um, it was made by Reed Smith, I believe. Heads that one. Yeah. So that's a really good place for people to start Brilliant. as um, some simple stuff. But you know, the other thing that I would say as well is, where's the assessments? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I struggle to find um, schools that are doing really good assessments that can help you work out exactly what your children need. Yeah. So when you talk about literacy, you know, again, 
there's there a smorgasbord of exactly. Yeah. You know, it's all, it's overwhelming. Yeah, I that's think, right. The, it's about what, which one do I choose? There's so exactly, much choice. Exactly, exactly. Mm. But when you're talking about maths, it becomes a lot more limited. So, yeah. so I I use an assessment developed by Stephen Chin, mm-hmm. who's like you know yep. very well known, oh, lovely, lovely man. expert, and mm. I bel- I'll have to update this in the show notes because I'm really bad with names, but I think it's called More Trouble with Maths. Sounds right. And it's a book of maths assessment. And so it has some normed assessments in there mm-hmm. and they're really kid-friendly. So, yeah. like, there's a 60-second addition and subtraction mm. test that mm. has normed data. So even kid, even a kid that has a lot of anxiety can do a 60-second test. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just test those basic facts. Mm. There's kind of a longer-form test, which I would only use for older kids because mm-hmm. that's a bit too intimidating for little kids. But then what I really love, and this is what I use in my first session with a kid, he's got a whole bunch of informal activities that you can do with a kid that are really well thought through that show you exactly where the holes in their knowledge mm. are. Oh, I need to get and, that. And they're mm. simple things. I, I'm not aware of all that many no. others out there. No, yeah, they, but I that's something that would be classroom friendly, mm. yeah. I reckon. You know, yeah. to assess a kid. Just for listeners, we did do an episode. It was our episode three called What yeah. is Dyscalculia? Yes. So if you haven't listened to that and you want to know more about dyscalculia, head back to that. Yeah, because we're kind of just jumping into assuming <laughs> yeah, people know what it that's is, right. don't we? Um, but it is a developmental disorder mm. yeah. in, in maths number mm, in particular, that's isn't right. it? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but I would, you know, I would also say that when you're within a classroom, there are so many children at this stage who would tick the boxes of dyscalculia, mm. but it would be instructional. Yes, they are what we call mm. instructional casualties yes. and we get them in literacy as well. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. For those kids, what you're talking about with manipulatives is utterly essential. Yes. You know, this explicit instruction and working with mm. manipulatives, there's no way around it. No. Mm. Like, just like kids living with dyslexia, you got to go back to have that very fine grain, mm. you know, and like I was saying, I start with what is a number? Yeah. yeah. And I would say as well, you know, your manipulatives, we're talking about cognitive load, don't have a massive variety of things. You no. know, we don't need teddy bears to do this concept and, you know, flip tiles to do this concept. And the, the, and that's what I love about the manipulatives that we use, yeah. that, you know. Let's say quiz and air rods, so he will have a visual. <laughs> um, you know, you can use the the same manipulatives for so many concepts. Yeah. Yes. You know, a, a, we want to lessen the load. Yes. yes. And the other thing I would say as well is, you know, we can't assume that kids will make con- uh, concept um, connections. Mm. You know, so one year level you may be talking about skip counting and then the next year level is multiplication. Yeah. But unless you make that connection between why that's skip counting and why that's multiplication, then we can't assume that kids will just pick that up. Mm. Yeah. So I had year one twos and the year one curriculum was skip counting, year two was introducing multiplication. So when I broke it down and I was like, here's your skip counting, here's your multiplication, you know, you've. A lot of you have heard of timetables. You've got older brothers and sisters. This is what it is. Again, I got, oh, oh is that all? Mm. That, that, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> that's all it is. That's all we're talking about. So we need to be, again, really developmental, really progressive in making connections between topics yeah. because otherwise these children who struggle are going to see addition as one thing, mm. see subtraction as something else, yeah. see, you know, see everything. 
concept that you're doing as so individual yeah. mm. when all numbers are connected, yeah. you're just using them in different ways. That's Liana, right. You, you have just really got to join those dots. You do. Them. And you just a penny dropped for me when you said you don't need 58. Well, you didn't say 58, <laughs> but you don't need yes. various manipulatives. No. If, you have t- if you have teddy bears for this and counters for that, <laughs> yeah. that is extraneous cognitive is. load. That is, that is creating a problem, isn't it? Yes. So we're talking about limiting, keeping our manipulatives to a bare minimum mm-hmm. as well as making sure our language is yeah. spe- is taught in a sequential way mm-hmm. so we're very cognizant of what we call what. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is, I've just got a quick story. I was working with a student once and he hit year seven and his teacher was all of a sudden insisting on a different-looking division frame mm. when the division algorithms mm-hmm. were done. You know, you have one with the curve and the straight yep. line on yep. top and this he just wanted a, a right angle. Right. And this, this threw poor old Josh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, knocked him sideways and, well, number one, it highlighted to me that like a lot of kids – Josh's understanding of what division is was mm-hmm. was probably shaky. But this teacher was insisting on this and I was thinking, yeah, isn't that interesting? So he goes from year six where the division frame looks like this mm-hmm. into year seven. I think schools need to be making decisions about things like that as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's a part of the, you know, the bigger conversation that needs to happen because there does need to be more consistency across the school because mm. um, I think, you know, in a lot of schools it's just you are in your classroom. If you've got mm. a team around you, great, but you're just kind of doing your own thing and yeah. there's not those bigger conversations around well, what are you doing here and what are you doing here and how do we tie that together. But it also comes to I think we, we need to prioritise, like what's important? Is the shape of the bracket the most important thing that we yeah. need? Yeah. You know, is that something we're going to get hung up on? And I know there's discussions around, you know, when you're doing times tables, like which number should come first, you know, the table that you're doing or the other oh, number. Yeah. And I remember I asked Ron Yoshimoto and he was like, well, like is that something we want to get hung up on? They need to know that it works both ways. Yeah. So, like, w- what is our priority here? Mm-hmm. And that's and and th- thank you for that pushback on that because that is important as well. Mm. Um, what do we get our knickers in a knot about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what matters? So, if, if this kid's understanding of division was solid, mm. would that have mattered? No. So yeah, yeah. And I think it's we do need to show them that it comes in different ways. It mm. can look like this. Mm. It can look like this. That's important. Yeah, so it is. They need to have that they flexibility. Need to have that That's right, yeah. exactly. So if it looks like this, I know that it means this and this yeah. is how I'm going to work it out. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, are we going to get hung up on, you know, tiny little, yeah. how much of a curve there is? Or and, yeah. <laughs> and for that kid, that created a piece of extraneous cognitive load mm. that tipped him over the edge, but that was symptomatic of some deeper issues, I guess. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm. And okay. that's the thing, I guess, if you, if you struggle – and you have a way that that's working for you to then perhaps be told, yeah, you know, we need to make some changes here. Mm, mm. Um, it, it would be a, a total cognitive load yeah. issue, yeah. Because then, what are what are they then focusing on? They're that, focusing yeah. on, on the operation that needs to happen, yeah, that's right, or what it looks like. Yeah, correct. Mm. Yeah, spot on. So we've been talking about schools. Mm. Um, and how do schools, you know, provide the best environment for kids? Yeah. So. We've got, if I'm getting the formula right, you're using explicit direct instruction yes. as a lesson kind of overall yep. strategy for as your for lesson structure. Yeah, yes. for your lesson structure. Absolutely. You've got a set scope and sequence mm-hmm. 
that everyone understands and is following yes. in the school. You are ensuring that manipulatives are used when all the uh, concepts are introduced yes. so that kids have a very solid understanding, not just a conceptual understanding yes. of maths. You have a set set of language. Yes. So with the scope and sequence, there (laughs) is a vocabulary list as well for each part that we're teaching, the the language that goes with it. And then we've spoken about the other barriers for teachers, which you mentioned is a lack of professional development because, you know, many teachers don't feel comfortable Mm. with maths because it is, as we've talked about, a bit of a cultural thing and it is easy to kind of, you know, put maths to the side and focus on something else. Yeah. And so we probably haven't got time to go into it here, but in the show notes we'll mm-hmm. put, you know, you mentioned a couple of professional development opportunities, but there are actually quite a few out there Yeah, um, that are easily accessible so that as a team mm. the teachers in the school can be on the same page, do professional yes. development and mm. kind of develop that shared understanding mm. of this is mm. how we're doing this across the school. And that's the, the thing, school. it's probably a case of, you know, teachers, they just don't know where to go, where yeah. to look. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, and that all that stuff lowers curriculum variance. It makes sure mm. that which classroom a kid gets isn't a lottery. Yes. Mm. Or such a lottery. Yeah. yeah. And then having a bit of a strategy for dealing with kids that need extra support. Mm. So having small group or one-on-one. It sounds to me like that's still a bit of a work in progress, not for you, but for the mm-hmm. whole system, mm. you know, in regard to maths. Yes. We're probably getting better at it with literacy. Least, yeah, definitely. But regard, in regard to maths, we're probably not quite there yet mm. because I, I suppose as a system we haven't got the fundamentals in place, yeah. which I think is probably part of what you're trying to do with your world tour and going, <laughs> yes. and, going and seeing yes. the best practice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So can you we get can you bring back that after that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it should be good. Yeah, so, so a system that's built in it, and we're really not there yet, no, are we? No, And it, it's kind of now, I think a little unfairly, left mm. up to teachers oh, yeah. to manage that whole thing in yes. their class. I hope you're listening, Akara. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not strong with yeah, yes. you're not going to get much help from the curriculum. No. We're not going to be able to solve that no. here no. today other than say there are resources out mm, there. Yes. And mm-hmm. often, as I found, it is just a matter of not looking in the right spots, yep. you know, knowing where to look or exactly. what acronyms to use when mm. you're searching. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. it, you kind of have to know enough mm. Yeah. Mm. to find and sift through good resources. So hopefully we can help with that with the show notes and at least give people a spot yep. to yeah. get started if they're interested. Yeah. Yep. And then. What we haven't spoken about yet is the parent. Mm. And so as a parent, I'm kind of getting a sense here that it would be helpful if you're a parent with the capacity to kind of fill a little bit, bit of a gap here. Mm. I know, Sad to say, but I had to do it with my kid living with dyscalculia. Yeah. So it would be really interesting, I think, to talk about what could parents do yeah. at home to really support their mm-hmm. kids because I think there are simple, fun things that mm-hmm. you can do at home that Absolutely. build this number sense, yeah. you know. We talk about dyscalculia and this lack of number sense. Let's start with number then. Yeah, yeah so so what yeah. sort of stuff can parents be doing to support their the kids? The first thing I always suggest is play games. 
Mm-hmm. So if you play something like Snakes and Ladders, for example, you're getting one-to-one correspondence when, you know, you're moving your piece up, you're getting supertizing with your dice, so then being able to recognise the numbers without having to count the dots on the dice. You are getting them to look at an initial number line to 10 and then to 100 as well. So then they're seeing the patterns in numbers. They're mm. engaging with numbers. I would also, you know, any kind of dice game is great. You know, you think of Trouble. Yep. Well, that we used to play a lot as kids, right? I'll give you trouble. <laughs> I am aging myself With the here. the <laughs> Yeah, the pop-o-matic. Yeah. So, exactly that noise, right? <laughs> so, you are, again, you're getting that one-to-one correspondence when you're moving your pieces, but you're also then getting that, okay, well, how many more do I need to get here? So then they're starting to engage again with mm-hmm. those numbers in a different way. So mm-hmm. now I need this many more. So you're thinking just beyond like me moving my piece. Now we're thinking strategically. Yeah. And cards. You yeah. Know, cards are, you know, you're also supertizing there with, yeah. with cards and simple card games and, you know, even just things like go fish because, yeah. you know, I'm engaging with numbers, I'm seeing them. And I think we also need to remember when we use maths in our everyday lives as adults, it's usually problem solving. You know, it's very practical. We yeah. don't do equations for the fun of it. Some of us might, but um, <laughs> you know, and if but, you do, we're not judging you. <laughs> but when we are, you know, looking through a catalogue, we're shopping, we're using money. You know, just mm. having those conversations around. Oh, okay, you know. I need. I've got five dollars. That's going to cost me two dollars seventy. Mm. How could I work out how much? Yeah, involving you, your kids just in those in, things. Just a yeah. conversation yeah. where you can. And it's interesting because kids tend to understand money quite quickly. Mm. I'm not sure why, because there's less and less of it around that mm. they actually see. But for some reason, they just seem to get it. But um, in my experiences, anyway. Yeah, and- me too. Yeah, well, not me. No, well, no. But maybe it's the kids I see mm. have no idea about money. See, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that, or or what? Well, is what that anything is worth? To get it, maybe yeah. that's just it. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not kidding. We, yeah. we play shops. Mm. Yeah, and I bring out items from my pantry. Yeah, and I get them to rank them. <laughs> In how how expensive they think yeah. they are, and they have no idea. Yeah, no. they have no idea no. how much a tin of baked beans is, no. or, or anything doing like it. a supermarket sweep. <laughs> yeah, Michael's the new fun. price is right. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Turpy. <laughs> but these kind of skills, yeah. Yeah. they're real life skills, they aren't are. they? And yeah. they're math skills because yeah. we're talking about value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I see this as mm. a precursor to working on place value. Yes. You have to understand value. You know, to, mm. to understand what place value is. Yes, exactly. And so those early skills are e- are easy to do at home, yeah. Yeah. aren't they? You yes. could, in a supermarket, mm. give yourself give your kid a ten dollar budget mm. and say, "I need this, this, and this." Yeah, yeah. Well, give well, them the calculator. You know, give them the calculator. Yeah, exactly. Give them right. total yeah. as you go. Exactly. It's yeah. not about having to do no. it in your head. It's just about no. getting yeah. the concept across. Oh, we're putting that back on the shelf. We're gonna have to <laughs> minus that minus. from the total. Yes. See, estimation is a really important skill mm-hmm. very early on. So yeah. even well, how many steps will it take from here to to, to the curb? Yeah. You know. Um. So you know, just those basic. Yeah. Or how many do you think here and. Mm. Uh, engaging those conversations, but yeah, I would say card games, dice games as yeah. a starter as well. And I think we've probably moved away from that a little oh, bit. The board yeah. games, well, yeah. Yeah. pull them out; they're in yeah. the cupboard. <laughs> well, that was exactly my thought then, mm. because we're talking about kind of old-fashioned 
yeah. <laughs> approach, aren't we? Because yes. mostly it would be an iPad or an yeah. electronic device. Mm. And I'm sure that those games exist on there, but we're yeah, talking but the multi-sensory approach. I, no, need to definitely. Be, I need to be putting my hotel mm-hmm. on Mayfair. Yeah. How many of us mm. learnt about, about money through Monopoly? Monopoly, <laughs> yes, that's yeah, right. And, you know, budgeting and, and paying yeah. for things. Yeah. And I need yeah. this much, so how much more do I need? Yeah. The game yeah. of life. The game. <laughs> yeah. and, and kids love games. Mm. Yes. And they can be really simple. Yes, oh, exactly. In my 20s when I decided I was going to be a gajillionaire, which I'm not, <laughs> Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Quadrant. Uh, what was his game called? It's a great game on cash, Cashflow something, Cashflow Quadrant. Anyway, you know, mm. this is me in my mid-20s going, right, need to understand <laughs> things like internal rate of return on investment properties. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Kiyosaki. <laughs> <laughs> you beauty. Yeah. So you do you do do equations for fun? Well, yeah, and, and I've absolutely butchered the name of the game. Come to me, yeah, no, kind of. Yeah, so I mm. think simple games, mm. even something as simple as Snap, yes, yeah. is getting with cards. Yep, is getting kids used to mm. spotting those patterns mm-hmm. and seeing that these two match. And we yes, talk. It's an equals game, yes. isn't it? This exactly. is equal. This is not equal. Mm. All those really basic fundamental mm. skills. So parents, you don't have to be a maths teacher. No, there's a lot that can be done. No, so we could put a list of fun games mm-hmm. to play at home. Yeah. Let's do it. There are some really simple ones. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I play. Mm. I play. I don't. I call it pig, but I don't know if it's mm. called that. But. Uh, you know, with kids, that I, they start off with simple dice and we kind of ramp mm. it up. I always play a game at the end of the session. Yeah. Um, but it's that simple game where you roll a dice, say it's a normal dice. Mm. Or is it a die? You have to add your total up. <laughs> so, you know, I roll a six, yeah. I roll a four, so now I'm on 10, I roll a three, mm. now I'm on uh. 13. And it's a race to, say, 50. If you roll a one, your score goes back to zero. <gasps> If you haven't banked your score, mm. so I can keep rolling and I can get to fifteen. I can go, okay, I'm going to bank it, and I write fifteen down. Yeah. And then it's my turn. But if I keep rolling mm. and get a one, then I get zero for that oh, score. That so it's like a race yeah. to fifty. You yeah. just need one die, <laughs> <laughs> and that's practicing. I think it's one dice. Oh, one dice. dice. Oh, one <laughs> dice. Is it? I never just can't work it out. That's practicing all those skills. <laughs> They're yes. having to add. They're having to think about mm-hmm. how far to the total, Is when should I, I stop. Yeah, that's in one of Paul it's Swan's maths It's a precursor for mm. probability. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so there's a whole lot just mm. rolled up into yes. a, a pencil yeah. and a dice. Yeah. Yes. And kids that I work with play that forever. Yeah. Like it's thrilling. It's yeah. so much fun. Yes. Um, and that's just a yeah. – there's tons mm. of things like that well, that I, you could do with kids. Something like Yahtzee. Yes. Yeah. Yep. You know, when you're working out what, what patterns you've got, yep. you know, mm. and what, what you need. what so Dominoes. So yeah. Exactly. And, uh, and if you have a kid really struggling going between fraction and decimal, there's this great game called Decimat. Mm. Oh, yeah. C-I-M-A-T, yeah. which I yeah. use with my kids as yeah. well. That's a bit further up. But, yeah. gee, that gets, a, that gets kids some, uh, somehow over a massive hump, I find. I think it's just a practice and repetition. Yeah. Yeah. Liana McCurry, it has been fantastic, and I don't. I think we're gonna. If you'll come back, right? If you don't come back from Estonia <laughs> and your Churchill Fellowship and all those other countries, an absolute celebrity already, and you still remember the small people like us, <laughs> would you come back? Absolutely. And share with us what you learned yes. about maths intervention. Yeah, that would be great. Fabulous. Mm. So helpful and such a wealth of knowledge, and I, I really hope that. Um, what we've talked about can be helpful for Hope people so. because I know it is really difficult. Mm. Um, 
Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Michael. Brilliant. Mm. I love sitting next to you and having these chats. Even when I say <laughs> cognitively overloading extraneous random stuff. <laughs> I love that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Liana. It's so nice of you to give us your time. Um, we're sitting in a meeting room at Salisbury yeah. Primary School. It's great to be where the action is. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, we really hope you've got something out of this. As usual, we'll put as much as we can in the show notes, which you can find at discastia.com. You can follow us on social media. We love it when you ask questions and make comments because it just means that we can target what we're talking about. Or if yeah. you've got suggestions for future shows, you know, we're very welcome to that. Um, thank you both. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.